Welcome to a new Paradigm of Education podcast. I'm your host, Monique Sayers, and today we have a special guest with us called Vanessa Ares. I'll introduce her and then I'll also introduce our podcast to you today. So Vanessa is a dreamer with her eyes open and a compulsive question maker. It's in the observation of ecosystems that she finds her peace and her inspiration. In children, she finds the faith she needs to fulfill her life missions to cooperate in order to empower more resilient and caring communities. Combining her training as a developmental psychologist with independent training in different areas from nature-based facilitation to nature systems design, she aims to actively contribute in the development of safe hubs, which promote humans, small and grown-up, connection with their their nature based off communities and towards living a symbiosis with other ecosystems. Wow, that is such a beautiful description of what you do, uh, Vanessa. I, I I really love it. And what I want to just um, quickly just share with our listeners who are tapping into this new paradigm of education podcast, maybe for the first time, um, a new paradigm of education is a letting go of everything that wasn't serving us in education. And we've seen that happen through the pandemic. We've seen um, a lot of destruction occurring, but what we've also seen is a lot of beauty and a lot of these amazing uh, new types of schools, new types of education, new ways of living appearing before our eyes. And so what I was really drawn to Vanessa was when I saw what she's been doing in in the world, especially with ecosystems and infrastructure and also her background, I was like, wow, I can't wait to, to dive in and just speak with you. So um, would you just share a little bit more about yourself just so people can feel who you are and just to welcome us further to the podcast? Thank you. Yes, first of all, thank you for your invitation. It's very nice to be part of uh, something that it's growing now as well and connecting so many parents and educators around. And uh, my path, um, it was a little bit uh, with traveling and getting to know new communities as well. Uh, I I was raised in Portugal, North Portugal, by the coast, and um, I come from a very small town compared to any small towns around. And um, I was always connected to to nature in a way, like I would always love to go to the ocean and to play around there. Then my grandparents, they had uh, some land would be growing some crops and had the animals to take care of. So I was pretty much growing up uh, on dirt and uh, playing with animals and uh, with my grandparents and uh, and the neighbors. So that was me growing up. So that already had a, an impact for sure. And then uh, when I had to decide what to study, I was very interested in psychology. And um, one of the reasons that took me into psychology was my willingness to become a volunteer, international volunteer with international cooperation and so on. And I was very curious about all of the programs of uh, international cooperation in Asia, for instance. And um, but it, it, it felt like a big step, like very far away from from where you are and all of these uh, fears up. So I got to know uh, an opportunity for volunteering after my studies in Italy. And that's uh, what I did. I went to live one year in Italy, in the north of the country, to work with the children and youth 
and I was bringing already um, some of my approach and uh, vision of psychology applied to the daily life of the of the children. And uh, yeah, we would play supporting homework. It was a youth center. And also some months we did the summer camps so all about playing in nature and connection and community based. And of course, observing how would the Italian system work and uh, comparing it with the Portuguese. And just some years before I had the, it's also some winter seasons in the Switzerland. And uh, so I got to know how Swiss people would raise their children. And yeah, when I was in Italy, I met uh, some people that were working with an international association that would uh, support children in Nepal. So then uh, that's uh, my link to Nepal. And uh, in October 2014, I, I flew to Nepal. And uh, what was to be like a four months uh, experiment or three months, very short, like brief moment, it turned to be seven months. Mm -hmm. uh, of uh, living in Nepal with the local family. And uh, I was also volunteering with children and teenagers aged between four and 18, more or less, in a foster's home. Um, and uh, yes, this brought me to my project that I have been developing for the past three years, um, like four years in development, implementation, two and a half years. And uh, in Nepal, I saw children who were deeply connected with each other, who were deeply connected with their own rhythms in a way. Uh, of course, they were going to the public school, I mean, private school, but still they were super connected. They were caring for each other. They would take care of the house, take care of the neighbors. And it, it came to my mind. I started wondering, what is it different now? Huh? So from there, all of these um, things guided me to Ketiketa, which mm. means girl boy in Nepalese. And uh, it brought all of this willingness of mine and then the people that I met the way and I invited some friends in and some reference people in education and pedagogy to create this uh, kind of uh, safety nest, like a community nest. Uh, in forest, in a piece of land very small I, I had from my family in Aveiro, the city I was born. And so we we started to develop it with the community. So someone was good at uh, painting, someone was good at uh, construction, someone was good with plants. So we gathered everyone around and uh, we started the first uh, nature-based kindergarten who is designed under permaculture principles and um, ethics in Portugal. Um, and that's what we were doing for the past two and a half years. My main focus was, and it is, uh, the support of the team. So a lot supporting the adults on the system. So because I believe that uh, if adults are in a way balanced and are committed in their own inner process of development, they will already be ready to just uh, follow up and facilitate kids' development, the children's development. And uh, so I work a lot with this. And of course, in the work with the children, my, my passion really to uh, show them that they already have all the skills they have, they need, like on them, they experiment. That's the basic of everything, just experimenting. And I'm there to give them some, support them with labeling, what's, what's their feelings, what is happening with them. So I tend to bring a little bit of um, easiness or 
um, yeah, simplicity into all of this, what is psychology and all of this mm. psychotherapy thing and one person against another sitting on chairs. No, I, I prefer to have it, give it a more organic look. So that's mm. what I've been trying to experiment. Wow, there's so much to reflect back on um, with your history of everything that you've been doing. And I just want to also share, I've also been in Nepal myself. And one of my memories was I I was like, you know, one of those tourist backpackers trekking through Nepal with like little souvenirs to give to children. <laughs> I had these little toy koalas and I was like, oh, they're going to love these koalas. So like I, I opened my backpack and I give a, I gave a koala to one of the children. It looked at it. It threw it to the side and then it picked up its little hose that it had been playing with and made an elephant noise. And obviously this little this little toy that it had made itself from its backyard hose chopped up into an elephant was far more interesting than this fancy tourist toy that I was there to, to, to provide. And I was just like, wow, this is really an eye-opener, you know, how children are. And in Africa, it was the same um in Africa, when I was sitting on my safari truck and I would look outside the window and I, I, I the children would just smile with these biggest beams of like light, like jumbo, which means hello. And I would just, my heart would just be like, wow, I just want to serve you. This was before I was a teacher and it was actually my calling to be a teacher when I was in Africa. My heart was exploding to serve. And um they again they didn't want anything except water bottles because water bottles were so useful for them that they could you know go to their village and fill their their water tanks up with water and again it was just another eye-opener of what what do children really need you know what do they actually need you know and thank you for sharing that with me (laughs) around that um and did you find that when you were I've got other questions to ask based off what you were sharing but did you find when you were building these kind of infrastructures with these community uh, members that were all coming in was it this kind of mirroring that was happening that you were just kind of focusing on um what was needed versus what is like what I'm saying like the toy koalas you know like yeah I I'm my my base on building up the structure uh on uh I mean on a framework would be a lot on social entrepreneurship and cultural entrepreneurship and on the on the education of entrepreneurs you always listen this minimum value product so with me this goes along with the, the saying from permaculture small scale intensive ah. so whenever you design something just small start as small as as you can with like the minimum possible to make it happen and then you prove your your pilot let's say and once you can see that it's working then you scale it slow and slowly you you make it bigger so I went exactly to understand what were the minimum infrastructures that I would need to make it happen and to have a safe hub for the children and the families and one thing was basics for us it's like a, a shelter was needed so I went for the most basic one, which also recalled us for the tribe ancestrality and uh, which is a tipi and oh. uh, bring, yeah, it brings, it brought me a lot of memories. Like, you know, all of these memories that we have sitting in circles, I'm also a way of council uh, facilitator oh, uh, and all of this sitting in circle, being in circle. So a circle infrastructure with the, like the tripod that, really holds things that the triangle form know that it's the strongest one so that was our like minimum we need this so we had to find one and build it and then looking at the land from the eyes of the permaculture designer 
what is needed. And then I introduced uh, uh, an educator, a trained pedagogue, early years educator who had been working for the past 10 years on this subject, like designing um, educational spaces outdoors for children. And also I had been training for a school. So it was kind of a combination on the um, designing and uh, planification team, let's say, let's strategy, looking into the space and also asking to the space what needs to, to become, mm. what, what it wants to become as well. And of course, there were families coming and uh, we would uh, get their uh, feedback. But for the very first beginning, it was a lot this communication with the land. And I remember also having different sessions of meditation in the land and uh, really staying there and connecting with the land. We did like this almost one year of observation of the land, understanding how the birds would come, which birds, and also other small animals from the ground that I don't know the names in English, but they were coming and we would all see what, what was happening already there, you know, and kind of asking the permission and understanding where would the forest welcome the, the human beings in that wow. sense, in, in this sense, you know. So, yes, it was a mix between the business model and the permaculture design and the um, knowledge of it, like our experiences as uh, educators and um, yeah, pedagogues in a way. And yeah, we also had like architects on, on, the, on the game and on the discussion and all of these uh, people. And um, yes. This is amazing. This is um, really powerful information for people to learn about. Like, first of all, I love that you were, you know, asking the land, what does it need? Because you know what? Like, it's necessary. People, I think in this old paradigm, there's just been this kind of... Um, construction or deconstruction of so many things not even just ecosystems but personalities you know um work traits everything has come down to this kind of like almost harshness without this kind of um stopping and allowing and asking for permission so I really feel like that in itself is a new paradigm where you're just stopping and it's actually ancient right this new paradigm you're tapping into this ancient wisdom of like let's pause let's beat like let's get into the heartbeat of the mother Gaia and feel well, what is it that she's asking for and that just warms me to know that that's um that's how that you have gone about your planning was not really around your planning. It was around well, what is needed, what is there, and then what resources can we then bring in? It's really fascinating to me to, to learn this stuff because I don't know much about infrastructure um, at all, to be honest. That's why I was like, let's ask somebody who knows this stuff to come on and, and somebody who's also very connected with um, caring for, you know, mother earth and stuff. So it's really beautiful. Um, I wanted to know, like, so once it was all built, did you have then, like, kind of, was it like a community feel? So you'd then have people that were cooking and you'd have people, like, would you all just take turns at doing different tasks to keep it kind of running the project? Or how did it all kind of come together? People are probably wanting to know these small little details that maybe seem easy to you. But for us, we're like, well, what do you do next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, there. there's not a one answer. Yeah. And that comes aligned with, with this that I was sharing. So I started in one community in Aveiro and then I, we start the second project in the south of Portugal in Monchi. Mm -hmm. And anywhere I go, I also bring this ex previous experience of uh, international cooperation, you know, that 
you arrive somewhere and of course you ask the land but then also you you see what are the needs of the people in the context and the uh, framework good. okay and in portugal you have this framework from education which is on a legal level it's not ready for this kind of project so there was a big mm, period of studying the law and understand what would be literally the gray areas where we could position ourselves in order to do it on a non-illegal way, not quite legal because there's not, no frame, but at least not being illegal. Mm. So this is one thing. And this, I bring this, uh, this awareness because regarding um, food and cooking, uh, the place we were, it was a small town, but still it was very exposed. So we could not cook inland. Uh, otherwise, we, we could face some, some problems with the authority for food. So in Portugal, there's this uh, thing. When you cook for other people and this is part of a service, it needs to be a certified kitchen and so on. Oh, so wow. This was in Aveiro. Okay. Yeah. In Moshik, though, we did the turns, like parents were sharing turns on cooking because it was a more re remote location. So the energy was also different. It was a community that already existed. So, you know, there's these boundaries of holding that uh, kind of puts all the legal and the, the things outside. It was still on the same framework, but these details were dealt in different ways. So. You can cook in turns and um, or not. In in our experience, both can work. But uh, when you don't cook uh, yourself, what we thought, what we brought was the kids would bringing the food from home. So everyone would eat differently. So we would have a table which was very diverse. So we would bring the topic of biodiversity even at the table and inviting this mindful moment where we um, feel what we are having. And then practicalities, yes, on building the space, because we started with basics. So a teepee on the land and the path to get inside of the land that was safe and clear. Uh, and this was the first. And then as the families were coming and spending time with us and the children themselves, we would uh, observe again what is needed. What, where, where are the kids going mostly? Uh, where are them not going so much? Where should we put our food garden? Oh, here. Oh, now it's too small. And then we would enlarge it. For instance, we got uh, the, the lockdown as everyone. And during the lockdown, uh, me and my former colleagues, we were like doubling the size of the food garden because suddenly we had a lot of calls of people wanting to join us. So our little food garden would not uh, go for everyone. So we, we did it and it was ourselves. But for instance, we were needing some structure to protect from the rain and that we would build on wood. So we call in um, a man from the community, which was already helping to build other things in other people's houses. And then for our water deposit and the compost toilet, we invited uh, the friends from the husband of my former colleague. So, you know, and then parents would, uh, in some parents invested on some materials some we upcycled. Uh, we are a huge fan of pallets. Pallets are our biggest friends. Mm -hmm. The supports the, you take uh, for any kind of cargo. So these ones, we would find them uh, in local shops that would offer them to us, not even charging for them. Oh, great. So we were just upcycling all of this. So yeah, there was this combination uh every month we would meet actually uh we would uh, call um community circle so that we could celebrate or take decisions or 
Sometimes it was just to take care of the garden and the forest because we were regenerating the land at the same time. So yes, there was this flowing, but um, not specific tasks besides like the basics, like cleaning and uh, taking care of the garden and so on. But the rest was very organic, like calling, okay, the need is here. Who would be interested? Who has the skills or is curious to learn from this? Okay, this this group goes and, and so on and so on. Wow, wow. It almost brings me to tears, this kind of project, because it's just so beautiful that it's so interconnected and interwoven and there's the curiosity and um, everybody has their kind of place and their order within this type of community. I, I just love this. It's not this treadmill of people kind of showing up to then do a repeated task that they do and then that's it and then they go home back and it's over. It's like this this um, almost like a feeling of a heart that I feel, like a circular heart, like everybody's just there together to be there for the the for the land and for each other and it seems really beautiful in that way <laughs> maybe I'm idealistic idealizing it a little but it seems amazing you know um and what about the children so I'm just curious with them were they like naturally into um did they just love being on the land like did they have that kind of innate knowing of what to do or was it like you needed to be guiding them like on the land with like the different t- tasks yeah. it's a, it's a it's a very good question <laughs> because it depends, yeah, it depends uh, how old is it, how old the child is, mm. and uh, what has been their experience before they arrived to us. We had children that were straight ahead, like, don't even talk to me. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm exploring all over. Um, but this would be like children that are already used to go outdoors with the parents or they used to are used to hike or to hike or something. And uh, these kids, they know exactly what to do. And then it's like you asking permission to enter their safe zone and their playing zone. And this is also very fun. And other kids, we would uh, meet that uh, maybe the parents are not that much into outdoors. And that's exactly uh, why they bring them to us. So that uh, as they didn't have that experience or they are not um, familiar with outdoors, so they bring them to us, so kind of the the child can lead. So for those kids, would be more 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 challenging. Like uh, we had the little girls that were and boys that were not good with dirt on their hands, so they would always like, oh, it's dirty, it's dirty, and support <laughs> me. And uh, yeah, there would be some that would not face very well the mud. They didn't like the mud that well. But it recalled to us that it, it has a lot to do with what kind of experiences did our body um, engage with when we were little. So because if we were, when we would have visits from smaller children, like uh, because we were working between two and six years old, but when we would receive uh, younger children and babies, if you put them in, in the soil, in the forest, they are just curious. That's the natural, uh, the natural thing. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 it's very fun to observe also this and also the parents because we always welcome the entire family, not only the child. And when you, you would come to visit the place uh, for um, prospecting that you would enroll, 
the entire family comes and we observe everyone. For instance, if the, the father uh, is more insecure, uh, you will see also a child that is more insecure in some places. So all of these we take into consideration and then we, we work together with the family also to, to, to bring it to, to awareness at least. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm believing that uh, innately children know how to be in outdoors in, in nature because that's our nature, that's our habitat. Uh, but yeah, of course, the, the, the conditioning from um, society and how you were raised until to a certain age can, can take that from you. And then it just takes a little bit longer for you to reconnect again and to, um, yes, remembering, uh, let's say, how to be uh, outdoors. Yeah, yeah that's, that's amazing. And it's a good perspective to see the differences. And I guess everybody is different, right? And I guess the longer a child is there, the more normal, normalized it would seem to be living on the land. And what an amazing experience for all children to be learning. Like there's so much learning that would just be happening just within that small little patch on the garden, like just observing that in itself, you know. It's um, so that just to get a better perspective. So the children were coming just like for like a few hours a day or something, and then they'd be going back to their own homes or were people staying overnight and things like that? Like, or was it like a day, like a day kind of school set up? Or what yeah, was it? was it? like yeah. a da- daily care, daily, a daily care, care. kindergarten. Okay. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get that kind yes, of snapshot yes. of exactly what it was. Yes. Monday to Friday from nine to five. Okay. Yeah. And so at the moment, are you working on any other projects or helping any other families around or things like that? Yeah, we have been transforming because with the second lockdown, we got a really um, hard time managing everything and we lost some families. So we decided to to change. We we came to a close and then this uh, school year, we didn't have enrollments. So we are transforming into supporting communities uh, either in Portugal or abroad, but we have more knowledge of the law in Portugal. So supporting communities and projects who want to, one, uh, become more nature-based and like that already exists and want to transform into like going through a transition. Or uh, second, uh, projects that are just starting that maybe they, and we have been now uh, working with a um, local community that was already for some years working with permaculture and with re- uh, regeneration of the land and the crops and so on. And they now want to bring children into the, the, the environment. So this is something that, so we provide consultancy to any community, any projects, any group of people who would like to start something or who would like to transitioning into and then me for like uh, individually I also provide the psychology sessions and coaching either to individuals or professionals and uh, one thing that it's been enthusiastic for me for the last months is creativity and how to bring creativity uh, back in the scene of people through nature-based um, activities, in a way reconnecting adults with their inner child through nature on a creative way so that you can recall that creativity you, like it's connected with the question you just asked, are, are children naturally creative to know what to do outdoors? Yes, they are, but sometimes it takes more time to get there. So I'm also a lot now um, bringing this like nature as 
the field to reconnect with your inner child and your creativity. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. And I think that's important for us as adults to be like making the changes within ourselves for our children to be seeing that within us. And a lot of the people I've been interviewing on this podcast, they've all been saying the same thing in a different way. Like first we must heal ourselves, first we must work on ourselves, and then the children will follow. The children already have that. So it's more like the children have that, but then maybe we will notice that in them, you know, that type of yeah. experience. And I think it's really powerful. Like once our generation, you know, becomes the old generation, I really feel this new generation of children really are all awake and already and I really feel like that this is the change at the start of the new paradigm because we're we're setting this, the field already for them to kind of make changes we're like you know what we're not perfect we have traumas we're trying our best here <laughs> to, to work on all this generational trauma that's happened through us through schooling and through life but we can see the potential in you we love you we want you to to thrive and I know any parent would want that right but I can really see that people are really drastically doing that for their children and allowing that space for them to to rise up into who they're going to be and then I think from there that their expectations of life that will become then that will become normalized for them and so then their generations will also have a different angle it will be kind of um yeah definitely less trauma induced and more empowered and more um sovereign and more you know more beautiful yeah. that's just how I see it like kind of this flow on effect in a way yeah 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 and uh that's it that's also what I felt like working with the with adults the families with the team and with the children for me it was like the focus it's the adults it's it's the, the 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 caregivers in a way so how can i bring my energy into this because if we work with the the caregivers if like professional or not when you are a parent you are a caregiver um that's it like if you go there you can bring the safe hub for children anywhere in their homes and in any school so instead of creating these small hubs that can happen and they are very beautiful. Yes, I, I believe you were seeing it as it was because it's very beautiful while it was happening. And I've seen many, many getting born now. Portugal is now, for the last three years, it was waking up for all of these and we have a lot of projects and we have now a lot of projects who bring children daily to nature. It's very good and it's needed a, a parallel, parallel uh, work uh, to be done with the caregivers and um, it's not being done on a long-term mid-term perspective so this lifelong learning it's more there's a pop-up intervention here there's a pop-up workshop there there's a pop-up you know just popping up stuff that happen and go and uh, now we are more focused in bringing what would be um yeah, a, a, a river or a stream of uh, experiments where this community that we create for the families locally could exist among the caregivers on a more broadened way. And also this pandemic situation came to, to show this, like we are now connecting because all of us were more uh, attentive to online. So how can this yeah, be a local community as well that people would gather and have their training in person because that is how we're aimed to bring humans back to connection with, with humans mm. and with land, so physical. But how can we put uh, internet to the service and all of these uh, apps to the service of 
these people then feeling more connected between um, physical experiments. So all of these uh, that you shared, it's super aligned also what, with what I'm now interested in and the work we have been developing, yes. Yeah, that's amazing. So that leads me into another question that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, and you can answer it in, from any perspective or anything that's coming into you from the future, because, uh, you know, the future is now. And so what is your vision for a new paradigm of education? If it could be anything, what would it be? <laughs> yeah. If it could be anything for me, it would be this, that uh, we just take the children outdoors. Like, just let's forget about indoors. So, of course, shelters would exist. But on this perspective, as a shelter, if it's heavy raining, if the child is more comfortable indoors, uh, but not like compulsory. So, then on the new paradigm, I see a lot of um, n- nothing compulsory. Uh, nothing is an obligation, like more respect for the child for whom they are, more observation of who we have in front of us, respect for the caregivers, respect for the children, the like an educational system who would have space to be, to just be, that you could really be yourself. And schools could be more creative hubs or could be more experimentation hubs and uh, children would go there during their day to have fun, to experiment, to experiment emotions, any emotion, not getting told, oh, boys don't cry and these kind of things. And uh, just being being supported that adults would be there as caregivers, as uh, facilitators of the process, as holding the space, also the energetical space around the children so that they could feel safe to explore themselves fully. That would be like my 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 dream. Um, and yeah, I see a lot of laughing and running and uh, playing around and adults becoming children again and everyone just going to party every day. You know, that's how a school is supposed to be, not a serious <laughs> thing and squared thing that it's like the mimic of a a factory or a business, you have time to get there. You have your entire life to be business playing if you like it. But uh, yeah, these more hands, you know, like one of my inspirations was uh, Mr. Satish Kumar, uh, who um, I don't know if you know him, uh, but he has uh, two very beautiful TED Talks. And oh. one of them, uh, that is education with hands, hearts, and uh, heads, something oh. like Okay. Um, it, it connects me a lot. And for me, this would be like the inspiration where you can experiment. You learn how to make your own bread. You learn how to grow your crops. And you, you learn how to be human in a way, right? And... Um, Yes, that would be more more or less around. I love that. it. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Let's go to Portugal, everybody. <laughs> well, we it's not it. yet happening here, but yeah, yeah, come and maybe we can. Make the future it. is now. No, I see. I see this happening. Like even in my country in Australia, which um, I've noticed now, a lot of people have stepped away from the mainstream schools. They're done, and they're building these hubs. And so I can imagine people are considering, well, what do I need? Like, what are the basics that I need? Then, what are the legal requirements? What can I do within here? Who am I going to bring in, and how's it going to be? And then there's also this space of like, we don't need to know anything. Let's just flow and let's just party. <laughs> 
I love it. I love I love it. And I can feel what you mean by party as in like joy and happiness, not like the old fashioned way of partying where it's not helping anybody, but this beautiful place of joy and happiness and love and um and everybody can come in with their gifts you know you can have dancers or musicians or artists or meditation teachers or the children could teach us something and yeah I I really see a place for everybody because I think everybody has a unique gift to bring to the world you know and so if everybody would have that space then we wouldn't all be kind of seeking this thing that's outside of ourselves. it would already be in us right and we just go there and just present our gift and um, I also see it's like the end of separation society. It's like this connected society that we, we become a part of, like massive connected society, you know, the old framework of like, I go here to work, you go there to work. It's all like this kind of almost union of everybody. And maybe that's in, for some people, it might maybe not, they're not ready. They're like, wow, all day, like all day with the family, all night with the family. What do I do? But yes. for others, they're like, wow, yes, I've been wanting this my whole life. Like, let's do this. Yes. <laughs> and I guess for those who aren't, ready there's always that chance to share community like if you need to go and have your own space or your own mental health space or whatever you could always you know be sharing with other families that type of thing as well right absolutely yeah yeah. I'm I'm super aligned with that yeah yeah I was just dreaming a little bit as I was sharing I'm like this is really fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so if anybody wants to find you or you wanted to um, give any more offerings to people could you just share a little bit about that so they could reach you or um if you had any any more wisdom to share before we finish for our day together yeah uh, I'm I'm on on the basic LinkedIn so you can always find me there Vanessa Irish and um I'm I'm always open you can just drop a message and there's I think it's connected one of my emails also you can do it through there and uh, if you are in Portugal I'm more than happy to go out for a coffee or a walk by the river I'm based in Lisbon and I'm always happy to to travel around the country to meet people and um, yes one message would be this if if you are a parent or if you are an educator just bring your children outside with you. If you don't know what to do, just give your hand to them. They will guide you. They will know. Somehow they will know. Asking questions. If you start asking questions, uh, why is this this color? Maybe it comes up storytelling and then it's fun. And then you can go around and more and more storytelling. So one last thing would be that to invite everyone to just give it a try give it a try, like not only to the beach where everyone knows already what to do, but challenge yourself to go a little bit into the woods as well and to go to the neighbor's garden and ask the neighbor, what are what are you growing on that crop? Maybe, no, it's a start of a conversation. So, yeah. Um, yes. That's- yeah, that's really beautiful. There's so many other questions I have. Actually, just before we close, I have one more final question because it just came to me. So, um, because you're talking about nature and, you know, maybe people who are not in nature yet, they're just in their homes bringing that aspect in. But the people who are already there in the principles of permaculture, like, is it something that you need to kind of get wisdom from others to set up these permaculture things? Or is it something that you can just know? Because I know if I would look at the land, I'd be like, well, what do I grow? 
when do I grow it? Like it's such a big topic, isn't it? And I don't know if I've touched on that. It's probably for my own interest and people that are actually really wanting to do this. Like what would you suggest for that would be like a starting point? Like they could contact you, of course, but what else? <laughs> oh, I, I would always go for see who is around, to see who is around in your local community. Yeah. Uh, because I won't put myself on a plane to do a consultancy. There's a lot of permaculture designers around. And uh, if it's regarding education and children, there's one project who was supported by European Commission, which is called Children in Permaculture. They are a collective of five or six countries in Europe, and they have developed this uh, manual. It's like a very little book, and it's also in PDF, like open source online. But if you want to support them, then you could also uh, buy the book and they send it to your home. And it's amazing because as a lot of guidance, it's very clear introduction to permaculture. Like my team was not uh, permaculture designers. Uh, we did an introduction to permaculture with them, of course, but then all of them read this book. And uh, it's a really, for educators and parents, it's a really insider in both like how to apply permaculture to pedagogy and to education. Oh, and uh, this yeah, this book is amazing. And they also do trainings, uh, some online and uh, some in person. Uh, and this can, can happen. And then in Australia, I know that, uh, for instance, Brenna Kinlan with, uh, with McGee from Vegetable Sound Systems, they do a lot of uh, initiatives. Uh, I've spoke to them. They do a lot of initiatives in schools, bringing uh, permaculture to schools through music. Oh, and wow. uh, this is... Yeah, this is amazing. So if you go and Google vegetable sound system, it's a very good way to get yourself inside of permaculture while listening to music. Um, That's and amazing. They, and, they are from, and they are from your country. Yeah, they live there. I'm so glad I asked that question. I feel so satisfied now. I'm like, wow, now I know what to do. <laughs> now I know where to start because it's like this wisdom sharing on these podcasts. And then I think also these tangible aspects are also helping people as well. So thank you for connecting those two aspects uh, for my myself and for others. And thank you so much for your time, for sharing with us all here on a new paradigm of education podcast. It's been such an honor to share this space with you and to um to learn about your heart and your wisdom and your life and yeah so anybody who's tuning in um thank you so much and we will see you in another episode namaste everybody thank you thank you